this coming February 23rd. Can you believe it's February already? That's crazy. Um, messing with me. So the, the 23rd, we're doing something we have never done before in, in the last 30 years of our history. We're doing a missions banquet. Now, the missions banquet is not new, but the fact that we're charging $100 a plate, that's new. And, uh, and so it's, uh, we have limited seating there, and uh, we have, uh, uh, we have uh, for this particular event, we have a, a chef from Ford's Colony that's preparing the food. Uh, but the, the point is not that, uh, that the, the food is going to be so great. The point is where the money's going. Uh, we're, we're, doing, uh, we're, we're setting up our missions department in a way that we've never done before. You know, God has opened up some doors for us here at Lighthouse to uh, be more of, more involved as, as a sending organization for missionaries. And uh, so we need to, we need to uh, find ways to fund that. And this is one of those ways. And so I wish you'd pray about it. And then, uh, and then beyond that, I wish you'd plug in and be a part of it. There are different ways that you can be involved. If you have a business, we have some spaces uh, for uh, mission sponsors. Um, you say, well, Pastor Ken, how am I going to get that $100? Well, can I tell you that on the 26th, we start a 40-day fast? Can I tell you that maybe if you just, like, held back a little bit of the money that you're going to save from that food that you would have bought during the 40-day fast, you could probably more than fund that, uh, that missions banquet. So hope that you'll be a part of that. It would mean a whole lot to me uh, to see many of your faces out there. Uh, it's going to be right here. You can go on the website. You can sign up there, all those kind of things. Also, if you didn't notice, there's a men's ministry table up and running out in the foyer. And uh, so, guys, if you haven't signed up for, uh, to, to get information about about the men's ministry and what God is doing there. Love to have you be a part of that too. All right, commercial's over. You ready to have some fun? So a few years ago, um, a few years ago, where did Bernie, the microphone, where'd the microphone go? Did it land somewhere? I'll just use one of these. Um, I'm, I'm calling audibles here in this, uh, uh, this second service, and so um, it's not anybody's fault but my own, okay? So, uh, uh, so a number of years ago, I want to say it's like seven or eight years ago, um, I, we, we were sitting around, I, I think, I want to say it was Christmas time, but there was just this time when the family was hanging out, and we were just, we were, I was just like zipping through YouTube, and I was looking at some things, and I came, I came across this video that was, uh, that was uh, Taylor Swift's song, Trouble, and it had a goat scream in the middle of it. It was like 25 seconds long, and I watched that thing one time, and I laughed till I cried. And Alyssa's got a video of me, you know, and so it's like you can't do anything. How many of you know when you're, when you're a parent, nothing's actually private. You think, you, you think they'll forget about it. They don't forget about it. Uh, they're holding it there. And so I don't know why. It's just the dumbest thing. But it made me laugh till I cried. And this year at Christmas, I got this little goat friend. Now, what, what's uh, interesting about this little goat friend is he, he does the exact same scream as that video. And now I don't have to pull up the video. I can just leave this sitting there. And when I'm having a low moment... It just draws me right back in, you know. You got to have, you know, I mean, you know, so you got to do things for your soul, right? I mean, you know, it's not that, there's nothing spiritual about that at all, right? I mean, it's not, other than laughter doeth good like a medicine or something like, I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to, you can find scripture for anything, right? But this is my, I just have fun with that. And uh, so anyway, um, 
So I, I do. I, you know, I have things around me that, that make me smile. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, on, my, um, on my laptop, I have a, a screensaver, that, or not a screensaver, but a, a, a background that uh, is uh, me and Jeremy, or actually it's just Jeremy on our bike in uh, 20, 2016. He's on the bike. And just that picture there. And then he sent me one recently. He was out hiking up in the mountains uh, near Roanoke. And he's out there on this rock. And I'm like, ooh, it's one of these, one of these things that breathtaker. Don't get too close, you know. And, uh, and so I've got that one up there. And, but another, another one kind of makes me smile. I want to show you this one. I'm going to catch him off guard here. But uh, this, one, uh, this one makes me smile every time I see it. Go ahead, Zach. Throw it up there. Right there. Mason. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Bought that goat too. Yeah, you bought the goat too. Yeah, they, I don't know. You, the goat it was the goat. House, it yeah. was the goat. Yeah. Okay, you did the goat. I don't know. Well, she brought the goat. She brought the goat. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And then I got to your kids. Yeah, you they, your, yeah, they. It was a collaboration. That's hilarious. I bring too much joy to you. You I, do. I you bring a lot of joy to me. <laughs> Anybody? Does Mason bring joy to you? Man, <laughs> I'm telling you what. <laughs> so you got to tell them the backstory on the on this jam right here. Go ahead. Uh, What's I, happening there? I don't know how many details I can give you, um, but uh, so I'm a photographer, and um, we uh, we're doing an Indian wedding, and uh, up in the D.C. area, and um, <laughs> these guys right here, um, it was uh, the groom's wedding, and then his his uh, bridal party, and they were like, "Hey, you should put this on," <laughs> and they were like, "We're hanging out," and we were at a vineyard, but there were no vines, so they they were like. What do you Where call that? It was, yeah, it was just, no it was just a winery, and they were like, oh, the vineyard's <laughs> at another location. So we were like, well, we're just going to have a good time anyway. Yeah. And so these guys were just having a blast, and they were like, look at this white guy wearing this seat thing. And, <laughs> and they just thought it was the funniest thing. And so I sent this picture to them, and he pulls it up all the time. I love it. Yeah. It's so nice. great. It's so great. You know, and uh, if you know anything about Mason, he's never met a stranger. Um, and so to, to uh, know that Mason's probably gone to more nations than most missionaries have, and uh, but this just it just kind of summarized what, the way I the way I see the way I see Mason. So anyway, thanks, That's buddy. Awesome. Thanks, All right, Mary. love Bye. you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you I was doing that because you know. Now the the downside is Mason has more stuff on it because he takes pictures when you don't know. So he's got more stuff on most of you than you ever actually thought possible, you know, and it's really true. And there's this entire folder with, called While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> and it's got, most of you are in it. But uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> oh, man, I love this. You know, I, I want to talk today about, uh, about this idea of fuel for your soul. And I think we just experienced a little fuel for our own souls. I know I did. And, uh, and you know, life can be very, very serious and life can have a lot of uh, uh, setbacks, right? But we got to have joy in our journey. And uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, the whole idea of uh, prayer and fasting being fuel for your life. Um, I want to dig into the word with you, so you should have some notes uh, in the scriptures there. And I want you to read the scriptures out loud with me. There's not uh, a lot of lengthy passages here, but in, uh, we're gonna, you're going to find the theme as we walk together in here. John chapter 1, 
verse 12. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to be sitting for a little while. Uh, stand up with me. Put your best preaching voice on. <clears throat> Clear your throat. Get yourself ready. Let's go. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Romans 8. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Father, I pray that we would know you more, know you better, know you more intimately after these next 25 minutes than we did when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I've been in this little reading mode of the Stoics, and I came across this quote by Seneca. He said, we like to say that we don't get to choose our parents, that they were given by chance, yet we can truly choose whose children we'd like to be. We can truly choose whose children we'd like to be. You know, Jesus in John chapter 1 tells us something very, very powerful. Uh, well, actually, John tells us uh, this, this uh, important thought. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children of God, sons of God. And so I want to talk to you about the fact that God is your father and the fact that he has given us that right. We have to receive it. We have to believe it. But if we don't take hold of this one truth, we're going to miss the right that you and I have. Probably the most significant right. There is no more debated right in our world today than who has the right to speak. There is no more contested piece of, uh, of uh, um, land, if you could, if, who has the right to speak? Who has the right to get up to the microphone and say what needs to be said? Uh, somebody once said there's no such thing as history, only historiography. That means whoever's telling history gets to tell it however they want to tell it. You know, and, and so this whole idea of right to speak, who has the right to speak? Do the unborn have a right to speak? Can someone speak on the behalf of those that cannot speak? Do the elderly still have a right to speak? Do we have, who has a right to speak? And so this challenge is, is a huge challenge for us as believers to get a hold of. And I want you to understand that you as a human being who has received Jesus and believed on his name, first and foremost, have a right to speak to God. You have a right to speak to God. Now, when we talk about God, I want to I uh, take you on a little journey. If you and I went back, uh, maybe we went to another country that's been around longer than the United States. You go to a country where you see a cathedral that's maybe 1,000 years old, maybe 1,500 years old. You go into a massive cathedral, and you'd see a really high ceiling. You'd see spires. You'd, you'd see maybe uh, stained glass, maybe some immaculate artwork in the, in, maybe in the Sistine Chapel. You'd look up, and you'd see the uh, the work of a master artist. And you know what you'd feel when you walked into that room? 
small. You would feel very small. You would feel very insignificant. You would say, God is huge. He's expansive. He's, he's way bigger than I imagined. Why? Because you would say, I feel really small in this room. You would feel when you sat down on the hard benches, you would say, oh, this is uncomfortable. You, the, the room would probably echo because of the harsh sides and uh, stones that were around you. And, and you would feel like, I need, to, I need to reverence this place. If I make much noise, it's going to carry. I don't want to draw attention to myself. This building is all about attention to God. It's not about attention to me. That's what you would walk out feeling like. You, you would be dazzled in your imagination by the beauty of everything that you saw. But the architecture was built to make God big and man small. Are you tracking with me? Now, I've been, in, I've been in some house church meetings in China. I've been in meetings where they would meet in a, a small little corner of a warehouse, just a handful of people. Nobody else knows what's going on. Nobody else knows uh, that they're there, just the, that group of people. Probably nobody, uh, nobody that's led them to the Lord, nobody that's under them into the Lord. Uh, they, would, they would be the only ones that knew they were there. Little small, out-of-the-way group of people. No big building to mark and say, this is God's house. But what you would have was a passionate group of people that held on to God's words and prayed and covered one another in prayer. And you would feel like you belonged. You would feel the nearness of other souls who were around you that, uh, that said, you know what, this is what we have together. Together is powerful community and being with one another. This is, this is where I find God. So I, I want to talk to you. This is just Ken Kramer just talking for a second, right? But there's a word that, I, that I, 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 I have changed out for a different word in my vocabulary. The word that I've changed out is the word balance, and the new word that I use is tension. Tension. We talk a lot about balance, but it kind, of, uh, it kind of means that if I'm balanced and the world around me is not spinning and it's not moving and it's not, you know, it, it, it's not in motion. The world that, that I live in is very much in motion. But what I have learned to do is to find truth in the tension of two opposing thoughts. This thought that God is huge and expansive and far away. And this thought that God is as close as the mention of his name. Are you with me? Now, wherever you find yourself on that continuum, and sometimes we need, we need to leave behind this thought. You know, when we're feeling like, man, my problem is really, really big, I don't want to feel like Jesus is my buddy. I want to feel like he's the God over all that has all and is all and has everything covered. But then there are times that I need a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I slide myself back down, and I can get near to the, and see, God doesn't have any problem with that because the scripture says in Isaiah, I'm the Lord, and I dwell in a high and lofty place but also with him who's broken and contrite of heart. So the truth is found in the tension, just like a tension on a piano string, just like a tension on a guitar, you know, on a guitar string. It's out of tune if the tension isn't kept the way it needs to be. And in our lives, sometimes we need, to, we need to feel the bigness of God. Sometimes we need to feel the closeness of God. But what Jesus wants us to understand is that whether you see God as a big God or God is a close God, that Jesus, that, that, that God is your Father. He is your Heavenly Father. 
He put the spirit of sonship down on the inside of you. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. In other words, Daddy. Your heavenly Father wants you to have the, this Daddy experience with him. Now, uh, anybody on the planet, welcome to the human race. You had an imperfect dad. And so many of you, you have this, this concept that was formed by your own earthly father. And uh, in, in, in the formation of your earthly father, who was broken, whose dad was broken, whose grandfather was broken, and all that brokenness got passed down. And for whatever the reason, you know, we, we end up with this father, this gaping father wound in our life. We don't know uh, because father is where we get our identity. It's where we get our understanding. This is what life is about. This is who I am because, hey, look at my dad. You know, they usually don't say, my mom can beat up your mom. <laughs> Though several of you, you could do it. But we, we understand our DNA is coming from our father. We get that from our father. And this is what got Jesus into so much trouble with the Pharisees. They said, you can't call God your father. But Jesus said, God is my father. They said, that's blasphemy because you're making yourself equal with God. Here's what you understand. Here's what they understood. That if God were your father, then at a, at a father's passing in Jerusalem or in Israel, then the son inherited all the full rights uh, to every aspect. Every bit of the inheritance was now the son's. It belonged to And so the son could act as, a, as the, the executor of the estate. And so the Pharisees had a real difficulty with this because they had, they had put all of their trust in the learning of the law. And, and they said, here are the rules. And as long as we keep the rules, then uh, then we can, you know, we're in charge. We have the right to speak. But Jesus brought something different to us. He brought an understanding that God is our Father. In fact, the Lord's Prayer that we're working on on Wednesday night starts off by saying, Our Father. Can you imagine how it incensed the Pharisees to hear Jesus tell his disciples, This is how you pray, Our Father. Not the God who's afar off, not the God who, you know, who is looking at all of the, uh, all of the rules and regs, our Father. He, he was saying, you have a right to speak to your Father. You need to get a hold of that. So here are some things I want you to understand and glean from this. Sons are heirs. We are heirs. Everything that God has made available, we are heirs of, of, uh, of, of what God has made available in the earth. Uh, Jesus purchased um, everything that we could ever have need of. We, we, have, uh, we were worshiping today talking about the finished work of the cross. What was finished? Everything that was necessary to bring heaven to earth. Now, we know it's not all going to be wrapped up until we see Jesus face to face, until we go up in the rapture or we pass away and we see Jesus. We know the kingdom's not going to fully come, but we have access to the kingdom right now. The kingdom's been around for 2,000 years. Wherever Jesus is exalted, the kingdom begins to manifest itself. Kingdom life begins to show up. Kingdom authority begins to show up. Kingdom healing begins to show up. That's why what we do in worship is so, so important. We've got to fix our eyes on him. And as we do, his authority begins to flow. Sons are heirs. Sons have family rights. Sons have the authority of the family name. Sons have family traits and resemblances. Sons carry on family. Family traditions. Now, let me hasten to say this is not gender-specific language. 
Paul was using the word son because there was no higher, uh, there was no higher plane that he could appeal to. It wasn't male or female. The, the scripture tells us in Galatians, it's not male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. We have the same status before God. But a son had the full rights of everything, of access to everything the father had. And that, and that is so for all the ladies in this room. That, that applies to you. This is the thing you need to get a hold of. You and I need to recognize we have the right to speak to God. Now, here's, a, here's a, the thing that I want you to get this morning. John chapter 16, verse 24. This is Jesus uh, saying, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. You haven't asked for anything in the name of the Son. But the Son has all the access. I've given you power of authority, Jesus is saying. It's like power of attorney, right? You know what that, that is, right? You can't stand, somebody can't be there, so, uh, so power of attorney is given to another to stand in and enact business on their behalf. And, and so that paperwork is all filled out. And it's just as if that person were standing there at that moment making the decision or making the transaction. Jesus says, until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be full. I love that promise from Jesus. Now, uh, here's a, a thought that I want you to get a hold of. You have the right to speak to God. But if you don't use that right, you forfeit all the grace that's available to you. I like what Mark Batterson said. God can't answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. If we don't pray, when we've got a massive promise like Jesus just gave us in John 16, it's as if we are unbelievers. It's as if we didn't have any authority. It's as if God didn't make the promise. It's as if there's no God. Because we act like we don't have prayer. People say, well, we can't do anything else. All we can do is pray. Man, you just used the nuclear option. You just called heaven's resources down. There's nothing greater to do. The most important word, the most used word in Jesus' prayer life. Want to know what it is? Just one word. It happened more and more and more in every conversation that he had whenever he taught on prayer, whenever he talked about prayer. And, and the, most, the most used prayer, uh, most word in Jesus' prayer life, Father. Father. He took advantage of the fact that God was his Father, his progenitor, his source. God is your source. It's not the work of your hands. It's God who is your source. It, it's not whether or not you can keep your head screwed on straight. It's God is your source. He is your source. He is the one that you can call on, and he gives you the right to speak to him. He gives you the right to speak to him. You get around people. You know, here's, here's another tension I want you to see. You've got to keep the tension between your head and your heart. Right? If we're too much in our head, we miss out on, on so much because the affections of the kingdom, the desires of the kingdom hit your heart first, not your noggin, right? And so you got to live in the tension between your head and your heart. And many times we'll find ourselves in a, in a, a somebody wants to have a debate about the existence of God. 
you know, and it depends on where you want to start with all of that logic stuff. You want to go to philosophers? Do you want to go to theologians? What do you want to go to? At the end of the day, I know that there's a God because I know that there's a God. I know that there's a God because I've received him and I've believed on his name and he gave me power. When I was a 17-year-old kid trying to figure life out and felt like an orphan in the world, God showed up as my father in my living room. He talked to me. He spoke to me. You can't talk me out of that. I've been living this thing for too long. It's my experience. You can have a theory, but I've got some experience. I've got some testimony. You weren't there when he answered my prayer. And my little uh, pickup was down in the snow, down in the job site. And I prayed and God got that little pickup up out of there. Little two-wheel drive. It shouldn't have happened, but I prayed. You weren't there when God answered our prayer and shifted things in our family. You weren't there when I didn't have money for rent and money showed up for rent. You weren't there. I, I prayed. How do I, how do I know these things? Because I just do what the book says. And I, and, I, and I access, because I have a right to talk to God, Jesus said, until now you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be full. Man, if I could just inspire you with anything, with any one thought, with any one thought, you have access to God who has access to all things. That ought to inspire hope on the inside of your soul. And I hope for you even when you don't have hope because I know what he means to me. I know what he's done for me. You, you can't talk me out of what he's done for me. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you weren't there. But if we sat and, and we share, I could share some testimonies with you. And I met many of you in this room, same thing. You know, how did you get that? Because you have the right to speak to God. You have the right to speak to God. Don't, don't let what somebody's opinion uh, of you or somebody's opinion of a circumstance that looks like a dead-end street, do not let that be the last word. Hold up. I got to talk to my father. We're going to work this out. We're going to figure this out. I don't know the answer right now, but I know the one who does. I'm going to go talk to him. We're going to go talk right now, and I'll get back to you on the answer. We're looking for a solution. You don't have to have the answer in a moment's notice, but what you do need to do is keep the line connected all the time so that you have access to that answer. You have the right to speak to God. Touch your neighbor and say, you got that right to speak to God. Amen. In uh, the parables, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna close out this point with this uh, a couple of thoughts that come from the parable of Luke chapter 18. It's about the little widow woman that went and knocked on the door of the unjust judge. Now, when you look into a parable, when you study a parable, I want to teach you something about when you when you study the scriptures. Okay, a lot of times in, in parables, preachers uh, do violence to the scripture when they take down and they break every last detail of the parable down and, and assign a meaning to it. And that's not how parables are are to be interpreted. Parables are to be interpreted for the main thought that goes along with it. Jesus said, "The kingdom of heaven is like." And then he'd tell a parable. And in this case, and this, this really simplifies things because what preachers do a lot of times is they create an allegory, which is just, a, you know, let's assign a meaning to every last detail in there. And they end up, uh, you know, preaching something other than what the Lord intended. But in Luke chapter 18, here's the point. 
uh, the, the parable starts with, it says, Jesus taught a parable, and Luke says this, this is why he did it, to show his disciples that men ought always to pray and not give up. And so Jesus is doing a contrast in Luke chapter 18 because he takes a widow woman who had no rights in her day. She, you know, her family has, has passed away. Husband's out of the picture. He was the one that had legal access to everything. She had no legal access. She had no legal recourse for anything in life. She was probably at some level somebody's property that they didn't claim. And so she had no, uh, she had no standing in her culture. And then she goes, to make matters worse, to a judge, the scripture says there, Jesus says, he didn't, he didn't uh, care about God and he didn't care about men. If he didn't care about God, he doesn't care about justice. He doesn't recognize that he's going to give an account someday for the things that he does in this body. And so he doesn't, he's not looking over his shoulder. He doesn't care about authority. He doesn't care about justice. He only cares about himself. And so the, the little widow woman who has no rights goes to the man who doesn't care about anything and knocks on his door and knocks on his door and knocks on his door. Grant me justice against my adversary, you know, and uh, time and time again, she goes back and after a while, the, uh, the unjust judge, he says, man, she's going to keep wearing me out. She's bumping into my tea time. I don't like this. And so he, so he just decides. What does he do? He just decides off the top of his head, okay. And, you know, whatever he said was going to happen. Okay, you got it. I'm going to grant your wish. I'm going to grant your plea. You got it. And here's what Jesus says at the close of this contrast. He says, he says uh, man ought always pray and not give up. And it closes with, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Here's the contrast. You can't get any higher standing than you are a son. There's no higher standing. Access to the kingdom is all yours. You can't get any higher standing. And you can't get any greater person to go entreat, to go and intercede to than God himself, who is justice, in whom there is no shadow of turning. Our God is holy our God is above it all. He is, he, 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 you, you could never ascribe pride to him. You could never uh, ascribe anything to him that has anything remotely to do with sin. In him there is no shadow of turning. He is not like shifting sands. He doesn't change his mind from day to day. God is. And so what Jesus is saying is on the one side, you've got all the right standing. You've got everything you need to, to have all of your intercession, all of your prayers answered. And then on the other side, you have a father who longs to give you everything, whose, de whose greatest desire in life is to be generous and bless his kids. And yet when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We have everything working for us, and yet we don't work it. We have everything going for us, and yet we don't go down that road. We want to stop, and we want to puzzle, and we want to figure it out. We want to uh, see if we can find our own way. But he says, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Last point. We're going to go quickly through this. Um, the right to speak for God. You're blessed because in the 8 o'clock, they never got that one last word, four. They were guessing at it, though. 
Acts chapter 2. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Another passage in Acts 4, when people are speaking on behalf of the Lord. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. God wants you to speak for him. God wants you to speak for him. He doesn't want you to just speak to him. Some of us have gotten pretty good at that. We've, our, our prayer life is established. We've learned to, to glean and, and, and appreciate that joy that comes that Jesus talks about when we ask and, and, and we receive and our joy is full. But we would rather stay in the prayer closet because sometimes when you walk out of the prayer closet, ah, life hits you. Stuff breaks. Things are not working. I, I, I feel like I got my footing in the prayer closet, but when I walk out, I feel like somebody just pulled the rug out. Right? Well, here's what's supposed to happen. When you come from the prayer closet, when you come having seen the Lord, having encountered Jesus, we're here to see Jesus and speak Jesus, right? So when you fuel up with the presence of the Lord, then you walk out and you can speak on his behalf. Are you with me? You can speak on his behalf. Imagine with me my, that uh, I, I did read the scriptures from this, but it's not really my Bible, my Bible. But if, you know, I love this, this view that Jack Hayford did. He said, when you have the scriptures, he said, you need to understand that God has breathed his breath into that word. That word is alive. It has the breath of God on it. The Holy Spirit who wrote it, Spirit is another, you know, spirit and breath, that same word pneuma is breath, wind. And the Holy Spirit breathed the breath of life into that book. When you and I open that book, we inhale. We breathe in the life of God. We breathe in. That's, that's where life comes from. Life comes from God. Life doesn't come from me figuring it out. You know, I, I, you, know you, you were given power to become a son of God. And then once you having received it, what are you supposed to do? You breathe out that life. You breathe out that hope. You breathe out that joy. But you've got to fill up on it. And sometimes in life, there are so many distractions. Sometimes in life, there are so many things that break us down that we don't pause long enough to speak to God. But if we will take a hold of what he gives us in the prayer closet, when we get ready to step outside, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. I'm reading a verse, and it doesn't mean anything to me in the prayer closet. And then I walk out, and all of a sudden, I'm talking to somebody. And that verse was just there. What, God, what did God do? He put a bullet in your gospel gun. <laughs> he gave you some ammunition. He gave you some power. He gave you some life. He gave you something that would activate in that moment, right? So, so you were ready when you had need of, when somebody called on you and said, can you help me with this? Man, I got it right here. God gave it to me this morning. We speak for God. You say, well, Pastor Ken, you don't really know me. I know your father. And I know your father gives good gifts. And I know your father doesn't show favoritism. 
and I know your father, uh, he's put good stuff down on the inside of you. So how about let it be less about you and more about your father and what he wants to deliver to somebody else. Move yourself out of the equation. God's got a gift and he wants to pour it through your life. Who are you to hold it back? Who are you to get in the way of what God wants to do? Who are you to take God's message and taint it with your own greasy fingers? Why don't you just speak what he tells you? In love, right? In love. Speak that word. Speak for the Lord. Speak for the Lord. You say, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, why don't you just be a witness of what you experienced when you were in his presence this morning? Somebody says, well, man, I had this happen and that thing happened and the car broke down and then this happened and the other thing happened. And you start talking and you say, you know what? Sometimes when I'm feeling really low, I go talk to my friend, go talk to my best friend. And he shows me things. And he begins to encourage me, he begins to talk to me about my life and about the meaning of my life and what I'm here to do. And I'm here to tell you, if nothing else, I wish you could know my friend. And let me just take, let me, let me just pray with you 20 seconds. I, if you'll give me 20 seconds, I believe God can change your, he may not change your situation immediately, though he may, but he will change your perspective in 20 seconds. You got 20 seconds to spare? Yeah, okay. All right, let's pray. And you watch God intervene in that situation. You watch God move into that situation. So you have a right to speak to God, but you have a right to speak for God. And in those moments when you begin to speak, what the Holy Spirit is going to do is he's going to begin to give you things that are beyond your understanding, and he's going to begin to move his resources into that situation. How many of you want to see that happen in your life? Let me uh, put your hand up. How many of you have seen that happen in your life already? We need that testimony first, don't we? Yeah. You know, I, I've been, I had so many times when I didn't know what to do, but if I would just take a minute and I would speak to him, then I would realize I had something to speak for him. And sometimes it happens just like that. To him, for him, to him, for him. Suddenly it just happens. It just happens. Why? Because you, you took a moment to humble yourself. And he says, until now you haven't asked for anything in my name. But ask and you'll receive and your joy will be full. Amen. Let's stand this morning. I don't know where the word of the Lord hit you this morning, but I would love for us to make this a prayer altar this morning. If you can step out from where you're at and just come on down front with me. Let's just uh, commit our hearts to prayer this morning. This is our fuel. Some of you have run your fuel tank very, very, very low. That's right, everybody. It's okay. It's okay. Nobody's looking at you, but I want to encourage you. If that, you know, let the Lord just touch your heart this morning. Step out from where you're at. Just come down. Lord, we're just so thankful. Can we just humble ourselves before the Lord for a moment? Can we just come before him? Lord, we are so thankful this morning. Lord, that we have been given the right to speak to you. Lord, there are people on the planet that we would never have the opportunity to speak to because of their high and lofty position. But you, who have the highest position, have made us to be sons. You've given us a right to speak to you. God, I pray that every person in this room would take advantage of that right. 
Friends, I want to tell you in those moments, just before you bow your head to pray, if the first thing that you hear is a reminder of your sin, then you haven't fully received and believed this thing that God wants for you. It needs to manifest from your heart. I'm not saying that you're not born again. But what I am saying is that there's a higher experience that you can have because your Father wants to welcome you into His presence. He does that by showing us His Word. I want this Word to come alive to you today. You have a right to speak because of the blood of Jesus. God became your Heavenly Father because of the finished work of Jesus. You are a son, and, you, and He is well pleased in you. But if the first thing you hear is, is the bad things that you've done, if the first thing is a word of condemnation because of uh, the, the words that you spoke or the, the things that should have uh, been done differently, one preacher said, the devil knows your name and calls you by your sin, but God knows your sin and calls you by your name. Let him call you by your name today. Ken Kramer, son of God. Bernie Jalot, son of God. Put your name in there. Put your name in there. He gave you the right. Nobody else gave you the right. They can't take it from you. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can call on your name today. Thank you for the intimacy that you call us into. Thank you that that's where we find our strength. Lord, I pray that each and every person would begin to call on you right now. Come on, church. Just begin to talk to Jesus today. Begin to thank him for what he's made available to you. Begin to thank him for who he is. You have a perfect heavenly father. It doesn't matter what this world gave you. It doesn't matter how you got here. It only matters now that you know him. And that you have access to everything that he has available. Stop letting your past ruin your future. You have a father. You have a father who loves you. Come on, just receive that right now. To as many who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right. And he put his spirit on the inside of you. Abba, Father. Thank you, Daddy, that we can know you. Thank you, Daddy, that we don't have to have a mask, that we don't have to hide our feelings. You're big enough to handle any of our emotions. You're big enough to handle any of our pain. Father, we want to know you. Teach us to know you. Teach us to grow in our intimacy with you. church just let him wash over you right now feel like God wants to heal some father wounds <clears throat> those father wounds that happen down on the inside of us he wants to show us who we are in him oh in Jesus name Jesus name let him work deeply in you He wants to go back and redig the well of your identity.
wants to show you who you really are in him. Come on, let him do that. Take the time with your father this morning. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, he promised us times of refreshing. What you're doing is you're turning in your own way and you're turning to his way. And that can be uncomfortable, but that's what repentance really is. I'm not doing my way any longer. I'm doing my father's. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Finish his work. Father. Father, I want to know you. Father, I want to walk with you. Lord, show me your way that I can walk with you, God. sense the Lord is speaking truth into areas of your life that maybe you've held dear but that your life it really isn't built on what you thought it was built on that some of the things that we thought and maybe firmly believed He wants to show us that in Him, He's got a different perspective. And you and I have to choose His way, not our own. That's a decision you have to make. You have to receive it and you have to believe it. That the Father's way is the best way. talking to us about our identity. He's talking to us about who we are. The seed of our heart and our emotions. He's talking to us about those things. He wants to minister deeply into those areas. He wants to bring healing. Father God is so gentle. Let him heal your heart today. Let him heal your heart. 
Think of the energy you'd save if you didn't have to strive. Think of the emotional energy that you'd get back if you could just be, if you could just be the father's son, the father's daughter. If you could just be, and there was nothing missing and nothing broken in your identity, just the shalom of God. You're at peace, you're at rest. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He wants you to just rest in who he is so that you can rest in who you are. You don't have to put up a facade. You don't have to put up a mask. You don't have to act like you're somebody you're not. You can just be. Our God is the I am. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would just seal these moments right now in every heart. The things that you've been communicating to us, how you've been taking these words and overriding the operating system of our hearts, helping us to function as human beings, not human doings, teaching us to live from a place of wholeness and our identity with you, God. Because God is our Father. He's given us a right to speak to Him and a right to speak for Him. Father, I pray that encouragement would begin to flow from your throne into that identity like never before. That, Lord, the wrong framework of our thinking where we felt like we had to self-protect and self-promote and self-provide that whole wrong framework would be thrown out and in its place would be a confidence and a trust in the living God who said, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that says, they that look to you are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads today, Jesus. We rejoice in that fact. Praise God.